Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. That's right here on Behind the Steel Curtain's network of podcasts. In case you're wondering where you can find us, let's say you're listening on Twitter, you're on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. How can I find all of these audio? Anywhere we get your podcasts, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss any of our content, not just my Let's Ride podcast Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Also, Dave Schofield's Stat Geek on Thursday. Jeffrey Benedict's Cutting Room Floor. I love that podcast. I love the Stat Geek, too. I love our whole morning lineup. Our noon lineup's tremendous. So is our PM content. And as always, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Before we get started with the show today, I have a couple announcements to make. Number one, if you are a mother... Happy Mother's Day. I hope you had a great Mother's Day this weekend. Uh, I, I got to celebrate. Not my, my mother was not with me. I celebrated with her a little bit earlier. But she came and visited the family the, the previous weekend. Um, I got to celebrate my wife, uh, my who's the mother of our five beautiful children. And so anyone that's out there that has a mother who put up with our your nonsensical Steelers fanhood, or maybe they were the ones that got you to be a Steelers fan, Make sure you wish them a happy Mother's Day, even if it's belated. Better late than never, that's what I always say. And also, the second half of this podcast is, I'm, I'm excited for this because it's the second time I've had this guy on. KT Smith, Kevin Smith, our Behind the Steel Curtain football expert guru, 
He was the very first Monday morning conversation, but I didn't call it the Monday morning conversation. I hadn't named it that yet. He's coming back on in the second half of the show to talk all things offense, Pittsburgh Steelers, NFL draft. I got a, I got a feeling it's going to be some really good stuff, so you're going to stay tuned for that. This podcast, on this Monday, I decided, you know, I talk a lot about quarterbacks on Friday. I've talked a lot about the offense. I like offense. I like quarterbacks. I remember when Lance Williams and I used to do shows together. It was perfect. I love to talk about offense. He loved to talk about defense. We offset each other. It worked out well. I love offense, part of, that, that part of the, the football field. I do. I love watching the offense cook. I used to love the Killer B era when the Steelers were just dominant. I hope they get back to that. But the crux of this podcast is going to be focused on the offense. So if you're waiting for me to talk about the defense, you might have to wait a little bit longer. But for the offense, this podcast is about how it is time for Matt Canada to get the Steelers' offense right. Let me repeat that. It is time for Matt Canada to get the Steelers' offense right. Now, if you think back, been a couple months now, You think back to when the Pittsburgh Steelers season ended. The Steelers had a decision to make. Do they keep Matt Canada or do they part ways after one season and try to find something new? And I said at that time that this decision that the Steelers make will have ramifications. I said, if you decide to go down that path with Matt Canada, that's fine, but you're going to have to go all in. And if you go all in and it doesn't work, if you go all in and get all the players that he needs in the system that he ran in college, that he has a good feeling and that the Steelers hope he can bring to the NFL in terms of successful offense, if it doesn't work, it's going to set your franchise back for many, many years. And what have we seen so far? They keep Canada, know that. And so far this offseason, They have given him every piece that he would need on the offensive side of the ball to finish his puzzle. That's exactly what's happened. And it's time for him, Matt Canada, to get it right. You know, last season, everyone kind of was like, well, he didn't have his players. He didn't have the guys there. He didn't have the quarterback. Didn't have the wide receiving weapons. Didn't have this. Didn't have that. Didn't have whatever. There were a lot of excuses made for Matt Canada, and I was one of those people that was, you know, I I was giving him some excuses, some leeway, so to speak. It's time for him to get it right. They've given him everything he needs. Think about it. Free agency. Mason Cole, Mitch Trubisky, James Daniels, Gunnar Olszewski. All right, Gunnar O. I'm not sure if I said that correct. In the draft, five players. On offense, Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, Calvin Austin III, Connor Hayward, Chris Oladokun. Five out of seven picks go to the offensive side of the ball. So he's got to get it right. They are putting all of their eggs into this Matt Canada basket, and he's got to get it right. And I had looked at the Steelers' offensive numbers in very general terms last week, and I had talked about how the Steelers, and I went back to 2018 and the trends and how it was a dying offense, and I still stand by those words. Absolutely, I stand by them. But not all those offenses were with Matt Canada at the helm, calling the plays. Two years ago, he was the quarterback's coach. Last season was the offensive coordinator. So I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into last season's statistics. We know the per-game averages and things like that, but there's a little bit more to this, a little bit more to this. 
So let's look at the rushing numbers first. Okay, the rushing numbers. We know that average per game, they average 93.1 yards per game. Not good. Then you go into the per carry. The Steelers averaged 3.9 yards per carry. Shockingly, this was an improvement from 2020, but it's still tied for 27th in the NFL. That 3.9 yards per carry tied for 27th. They scored 10 rushing touchdowns last season, and the longest run they had was a 37-yard scamper by Najee Harris. You want to make something very clear in terms of where their big plays made in the running game, the second longest run. And I believe that 37-yarder came in the Monday night game against Cleveland that was the the game-sealing touchdown run. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Before that run, who had the longest run from scrimmage? Mason Rudolph, a 26-yard run. There were no, hardly any, I won't say no because there was a 37-yard run, there, there were hardly any explosive plays on the ground. Najee Harris was a grinder to in every sense of the word. Grinding three yards, two yards, one yard, working his butt off just to get back to the line of scrimmage. That was the 2021 Steelers rushing offense. It just was not good enough. It does not take a football expert. It does not take someone with a podcast to tell you, the fan, that it was not good enough. So let's look at the passing game. We know they averaged 222.2 passing yards per game. Now let's talk about yards per throw, 6.1. That tied for 28th in the National Football League. Tied for 28th out of 32 teams, in case you don't know how many teams are in the NFL. They did have 23 passing touchdowns with a long of 59 yards. So in terms of passing to rushing touchdowns, that's 23 to 10 in favor of passing. But they weren't pushing the ball down the field. Again, you don't need to be a football expert. You don't need to have a podcast to know that the Pittsburgh Steelers relied on the dink and the dunk to get down the field. Here's a category I had never looked up before. I had never looked at offensive penalties. I should have, based on the fact that, to me, this says a lot about the coordinator, the discipline, the coaching staff. The Steelers had 106 penalties last season on offense, and that tied for 12th most in the NFL. So they're just, they're not at the midway point, but they are certainly a highly penalized football team on the offensive side of the ball. We can all remember those times where you look at the the holding calls on first down, which when you set that offense back from a first and 10 to a first and 20, it felt like it was first in a country mile. It felt like it was going to take a miracle, a heave and a prayer for them to get that 20 yards necessary. It hasn't always been like that, but it was last year. In case you forgot, the 2021 overall general stats were as follows. Total yards per game, 315.4. Passing yards per game, 222.2, like we mentioned. Rushing yards per game, 93.1, like we mentioned. And lastly, points per game, 20.2. So now it's time for Matt Canada to get this thing right. And like I said last season, everyone said the same things. The offensive line... It was the offensive line wasn't good enough. You know, David DeCastro, they were banking on having him. They didn't have to go with Trey Turner. Okay, I get it. Did they do enough? Well, if you're talking about the interior offensive line, you bring in Mason Cole, can play center, can play guard. You bring in James Daniels, can play center, can play guard. You bring back Kendrick Green in his second year, can play center, 
and we have assumed can play guard because he played guard majority in college. You also J.C. Hassenauer on the team that played center last season, finished the year at center, and can also play guard. You have all these players and all this versatility. You can talk about offensive tackles all you want. They bring back Chooks of Corfone in a three-year deal. You still have Dan Moore Jr. You have Joe Haggett tackle as a swing tackle, Chaz Green. It's not the best, but I'll tell you what, they, they have their returning tackles. Their bookend tackles are back. I think that matters. If you ask me the question of, have the Steelers done enough to get the offensive line back to where it should be proficient? I'm not saying dominant, just proficient. I think they have. So then people were saying, well, Jeff, it's Ben Roethlisberger, man. It's Ben Roethlisberger. It's a quarterback. The guy can't do RPOs. He can't run. He looks like a statue back there. His arm talent isn't the same. I'm not disagreeing with you. The question now is, have they done enough to upgrade at the position? Well, Mason Rudolph is back. We've seen plenty of him over the course of his career in Pittsburgh. You bring in Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky is a guy that... Matt Canada is going to want to have that type of mobility, that type of arm strength, the ability to run RPOs, not fearful of being under center, is not afraid to turning his back to the play in, in a play-action pass scenario. Mitch Trubisky is a good pickup. Then you also throw in Kenny Pickett as the 20th overall pick in the 2022 draft. It's very similar style player. Can run the RPOs, can move, has good accuracy, doesn't have the biggest arm, but he has a lot of game experience starting 49, has started 49 games at the University of Pittsburgh before entering the draft. It's a lot of experience. So you would think that, yes, they've given him the options of quarterback between Rudolph, Trubisky, Pickett, and if you want to throw in Oladokun as a seventh-round flyer short, you can throw him in there. He's athletic, trust me. So then they said, well, Jeff, Matt Canada, the, the weapons that he has, it's not the style of offense he wants. Chase Claypool's great, and so is Deontay Johnson, but he needs that he needs that deep threat. He needs that guy that's going to be at a high point the ball. He needs that guy, that, that little shifty guy. Okay, so the, what do the Steelers do? Well, they go out and they draft George Pickens in the second round. There's your taller guy. There's your high point guy. There's your fast down-the-field receiver. And then they get Calvin Austin the third in the, in the fourth round. He's your burner. He's the guy that can run the jet sweeps. He's the perp player. You just want to get him the ball in space, let him and his athleticism and his speed do the rest. So they've given him that. Then you could even, no one was saying this, but if you look back at Matt Canada's schemes, he always has that versatile player that can play multiple roles. And they even give him that in Connor Hayward. Six-round pick. He can play tight end. He can play H-back. He can play fullback. He can run the ball. He can kick. He can return kicks, for crying out loud. He did that at Michigan State. So here's what I guess what I'm trying to say here, folks, is that when you look at the stats from last year, I would say it was downright abysmal. It was downright abysmal. The Pittsburgh Steelers being 27th in yards per carry and 28th in average yards per throw is is just that's abysmal. And it's up to Matt Canada to make it right. I feel that the Pittsburgh Steelers have gotten to the point where they can say, look, Matt. We gave you that leniency in 2021. You said that you can't run your system with the players that we have. And we understood that. Ben Roethlisberger has retired. We got you some new quarterbacks. We've beefed up the offensive line in free agency. We've given you some new weapons in the draft. At this point in time, Matt, if I'm Art Rooney, Mike Tomlin, general manager speaking with Matt Canada, 
Now you have all the pieces of your puzzle. You better put it together. You better get it working. It's time for you to get this thing moving in the right direction. It's time for you to get this offense right. So is there going to be increased pressure on Matt Canada? Absolutely, there's going to be increased pressure on Matt Canada. There is going to be pressure on Matt Canada to make sure that the Pittsburgh Steelers offense doesn't have a repeat of 2021. I hope, I really, really hope that it looks vastly different than what we saw last season. Because if we see, as fans, the Pittsburgh Steelers offense go out on the football field and look exactly like it did in 2021, then you will be seeing the last year of Matt Canada's tenure in Pittsburgh. And this is where it gets dangerous. It gets dangerous because then whoever would come in after is going to be left with all of these players that were specific to his scheme. That doesn't mean that Pat Fryermuth can't play with other coordinators or run a different offense. He can. But that doesn't mean that a coordinator is going to look at someone like Connor Hayward and say, what am I going to do with this guy? Why would you even have this guy on the team? That's the fear that you have to have when it comes to Matt Canada. He has to get it right. Now's the time for him to get it right. He cannot lean on these excuses that a lot of fans made for him in 2022. It's time to put up or shut up, essentially, for Matt Canada. I, for one, am hopeful. I, for one, am, I feel that there's a little bit of promise here. And I am really going to be interested to hear what Kevin thinks about this in the second half of this show. So in the second half, I'm going to be talking with our own KT Smith about all things offense for the Pittsburgh Steelers, about Matt Canada. So stay tuned. It's going to be great. We'll be right back after this. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is Monday, it is the second half of the show, and that means that it's the time for the Monday morning conversation. I actually am having a repeat guest. This guy was the very first Monday morning conversation that I have, and I didn't even have that title yet. I just had him on, and it was a Monday, and I was like, well, I should just do this all the time, but I welcome back our own KT Smith. Kevin, how are you? What's going on? Uh, doing great, Jeff. Uh, happy to be with you. How are you doing? You're, you uh, did some yeoman work there during the draft. Have you recovered yet? It... Sort of, yeah. Like it's, it's you got to kind of catch your breath at some point. You're like, okay, I've ran. Every, all, there's all these articles that have to get edited and published and podcasts to do. But we, I feel like I'm finally going back to level, so it's good. I'm able to get my basis, and I think now myself and all the Steeler fans out there are kind of the dust is settled. We're digesting all these picks. I wanted to ask you the first question: Is just what were your thoughts on the draft in general? Like you know, you think back now, it's been well over a week. Seven new Steelers. What are your thoughts, just as the class as a whole? My thoughts are it was a pretty methodical draft in the sense that I believe the Steelers went into it with a really specific checklist about things that they wanted to do, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. 
and they were really able to do those things. I and mean, when you look at some of the some of the issues that they had and some of the problems that they faced in 2021 in terms of being able to run block or get off of press coverage or beat stacked boxes, they they needed certain certain answers to those things. And I think that they went out and addressed them in the draft. With it being Kevin Colbert's last draft, were you expecting fireworks or were you expecting more of what we saw this the you know the last draft? I guess I mean it's hard not to say picking is fireworks, right? I mean, anytime yeah. you spend like the, the 20th pick in the draft on a QB, that's fireworks. Um, and I, w- I was really impressed with how well they were able to uh, let the board come to them. They didn't make any panic moves. They they did some things that I just thought were, were really savvy and smart and, and fit the needs that they had. So I just, you know, the offseason in general with him was fantastic. He, he really aced it on his way out the door. Yeah, and that, that was a discussion a lot of fans had was, you know, what's it going to be like when he leaves? Is he going to basically just blow future draft capital and, and just try to go out with a bang? And I, I, you follow this team long enough, and Kevin Colbert's been a part of this organization for so long, I never in a million years would have thought that he would have even, even considered doing that. If anything, he would want to leave the cupboard completely full for whoever the next GM is. And I think when you talk about the offseason being free agency and the draft, I think he's done that, but let's, I want to talk to you about offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. Now you, in the case you're just now listening to the show, you've never heard Kevin before, which if you haven't listened to his, here we go Steelers show with Brian Anthony Davis. It runs up Fridays at noon. Make sure you check that out. I listened this past week. Fantastic show. You're a former offensive coordinator. So I'm going to ask you to focus on the offensive side of the ball. And we're going to start with Matt Canada as an offensive coordinator, just in general. And I know that you've played in college and you've been an OC in the, in high school level. And now you're a head coach. How long do you think it truly takes to implement a new offensive scheme? Because that's what the Steelers are going through. Would you agree? Yeah. I think there's a little bit of a caveat to that answer. And the caveat is you have to have if you have a if you have a specific scheme you like to run, like Matt Canada does, you have to acquire the personnel to run that scheme. I mean, there's basically two ways to implement an offense. You either build it around the, the existing talent or you build it around a scheme. Uh, that that you prefer by acquiring that talent. So so what we've seen from the Steelers really for the last five, six, seven years is they just built the offense around Ben Roethlisberger. It was a lot of, you know, go go win it for us, Ben. And and, uh, and they sort of let Roethlisberger engineer things. But as he as his career wound down uh, and they brought in Canada, obviously they were going to take a different approach. So last year was sort of a transition year. And what they really did this offseason is they aggressively went at, after the pieces that would best fit in Canada's system. So, so this year I would expect the offense to take a leap forward because they're so much better positioned uh, to run what Canada likes to run because of the personnel they've acquired. So you talked about this on the here we go show and you keep on men and you wrote, you wrote this in which by the way, if anyone's listening to this and they don't check out behind the steel curtain, Kevin's film rooms this past week were just phenomenal. I, every single one that I edited and read, I learned so much but you constantly were at bringing up the, was it 2016 pit offense that he ran? Correct. Yeah. Do you think that the Steelers seeing that firsthand being in Pittsburgh, that they were saying, we need to give him whatever he needs to bring that offense to the NFL. Do you think that's what they're truly trying to do? I think that they're trying to incorporate elements of that offense uh, in Pittsburgh. I don't think that, that you can ever really like literally translate a college scheme to the NFL simply because 
the talent disparity isn't the same as it is in, in, in colleges. A lot of what Pitt did at, or a lot of what Cam did at Pitt in 2016 was designed to make up for the fact that when Pitt was going to play Clemson or Florida state, they were just very undermanned in terms of personnel. And so they had to really uh, win with these, this smoke and mirrors and, and all these shifts and adjustments and movements and creative things. And, um, and usually there's not a talent disparity like that in the NFL, but I think they recognize that there was enough of a, of a solid foundation with that offense to put defenses in a bind. The thing that Canada did the best is that he ran some pretty simple stuff inside zone, outside zone, jet sweeps, et cetera. But he did them from really, really creative ways. And he had a lot of constraint plays in his offense. And by constraint plays, I mean things that constrained a defense when they overcompensated to take away your core stuff. Uh, the gadget stuff and the shifts and the motions and the reverses and the play action, the RPOs, all that stuff that he did really protected his core schemes. And the Steelers have not been able to do that in recent years. They've been about as obvious on offense as any professional team I've ever seen. I mean, you're, you're probably in the same boat that I am in that, like a lot of times when the Steelers lined up, you could call out the plays. You just knew exactly what they were running. And yeah. And Canada provides an, an, an alternative to that. And I think that what they've done this offseason, if they've gone out and gotten the pieces that will let him, him do those things. All right, tough question now. As a football guy, as a football junkie, as a lifer, you have faith that Matt Canada can get the job done now that he has the pieces of the puzzle? Oh, all right. I'm going to, I'm not going to waffle on this. I'll take a stand. Uh, I'm going to say yes, only because I, I always err on the side of optimism. I do. I, you know, They've, they're taking a big risk, no doubt. They they really spent their offseason building uh, an offense around what he wants to do. And that's a bold move for a guy who's never succeeded at the NFL level before. So, so yeah, they're really putting their eggs in the Matt Canada basket. But I love what he does. I love, like, when, when his offense is working and clicking, it's incredibly difficult to stop because he makes you prepare for so many things. Two things that he does really, really well. He stretches the field horizontally with, with formations, shifts, motions, et cetera. And that makes defenses, you know, run 53 yards sideline to sideline. And inevitably that stretch creates vertical seams. And then he, and then he'll hit you with the vertical stuff, the play action passes, uh, the post routes, you know, things like that. Um, and, and we, we haven't been, the Steelers haven't been able to do that in recent seasons. So if these pieces they've acquired are, are, you know, well-equipped to run his offense, then yeah, I think it can succeed. You mentioned the vertical stuff and that that's what we didn't see. Was that all Ben, Ben Roethlisberger's inability, whether it's arm talent trust in the offensive line is, was it all on the quarterback? Do you think last season? No, it wasn't all on him. You look at the receivers. Uh, they tried to make chase Claypool, the vertical threat. Um, but he struggled to get off of press coverage. He he's, uh, Claypool's kind of like a body catcher. He traps the ball against his body a lot. And your vertical guy's got to be, he's got to be a guy who snatches the ball. He's got to be a high point guy, guy who goes up and catches the ball with his, his hands at its highest point. So when they went out and they got George Pickens, to me, that immediately said to me, all right, there's there's the the deep threat. They 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 see that him as the better alternative. Pickens is great getting off of press coverage. When you watch the Steelers film last year, man, defenses were not even remotely deterred from walking their safeties down to like seven yards and walking their corners up in press coverage because they had no fear of the Steelers receivers running by them. And part of that had to do with their inability to get off of and beat press. So by getting pickings, they've addressed that. And then probably my favorite draft pick is Calvin Austin the third, 
who's another guy who can beat press coverage, even though he's only five foot eight, because he's lightning quick. So, so I think that they've, in that sense, tried to help whomever the starting quarterback is get, get vertical. All right, so let's get to this draft class. We're going to focus on the five offensive players that were selected. You already brought up Pickens and Austin. We're going to talk about them a little bit more in a second. But we got to start with Kenny Pickett, the 20th overall pick. Before we even talk about football acumen or anything like that, I want to ask you the fact that he is from Jersey. You are from Jersey. Tell the listeners, like, where is he from in Jersey? What does that tell you about him from a personal standpoint? Is there a toughness that comes with where he's from? You know, I'm curious as to what that means for you being a Jersey guy. Yeah, I, you know, he's from Ocean County, which is middle of the state. Um, Asbury Park might be an area that some people know in New Jersey. He's, he's from near the shore, but Ocean County's got a reputation for being a pretty tough place. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, <laughs> when I was in college, all the Ocean all the Ocean County kids were, you know, we just called them a bunch of meatheads. They were it, <laughs> it, it, Ocean Ocean County football is still like in New Jersey. It's still smash mouth football it's line it up uh and you know let's go you know let's see who the, who the tougher team is between the between the hashes and um and he comes from that area man it's a it's an area where you know i think that that you get challenged um physically mentally i mean people don't back down from anything you know in, in Jer- you know jersey people have this sort of like reputation for being rough around the edges or whatever in jersey they like to call it jersey tough and i think that that, that area where he's from is emblematic of that. So, I mean, I think he's a guy that's going to be both physically and mentally tough, and that's huge in your quarterback. So Kenny Pickett, as a, as a, from a football player standpoint, and he played, spent five years at Pitt. I'm sure you watched a lot of tape on him. What do you see as strengths and weaknesses for him coming into the professional game? I think the biggest strength is, well, two, the two biggest strengths are, one, his ability to, uh, to do things. This is really a buzzword that's been kicked around a lot during the draft to do things off platform and, and by off platform uh, they mean his ability to, to make throws when he's not in a, in a traditional stance, when his, when his base isn't set, when his arm angle isn't perfect, things that he, that he does out of the pocket, things that he does when he has to kind of throw across his body a little bit um, he can improvise. And I think that's important, but the bigger thing is he's accurate. I think I really believe, I don't know this for a fact, but I really believe that the, that the thing that separated him from Malik Willis for the, uh, the Steelers was his accuracy. I think I remember Kevin Colbert had a, made a comment back in February when they were leading up to the combine where they asked him about what he, what's he looked for in a quarterback. And he, he said something about uh, how he believes that quarterbacks that are inaccurate in college will probably be inaccurate in the pros, that he didn't think that you could improve your accuracy by a significant degree. And I think that that for NFL quarterbacks is – one of, if not the most important trait, you got to be accurate because NFL open is not real open college open. You know, you, you look at receivers, you're like, Oh, these guys are open in the NFL guys who look covered are still open. And uh, it's up to the quarterback to get them the ball in a spot where they can catch it. And I think they valued that and pick it and maybe didn't see that in Willis. Is there any part of your game of the film that you've watched or what you've seen that you're thinking, yeah, this is going to be an issue with Kenny Pickett in the NFL. Small hands, Jeff. You have small, <laughs> small hands. <laughs> uh, you're you're going to go with that one, huh? Okay. No, 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 I'm <laughs> uh, I got to hate that argument. Um, I mean, the only thing that I saw sometimes with, with Pickett is is uh, in the pocket. While he's a pretty good progression reader, he can hold the ball a little bit longer than you want. You know, I mean, the thing with Ben Roethlisberger was like, oh, the ball's out too fast. 
Uh, with Pickett, it might be the opposite. You know, you may see him at times uh, hanging there a little longer than he needs to. You're going to want him to either get rid of the ball or get out a little bit sooner. I kind of like that, though, because I, I to me that means, you know, he believes that, you know, he can make that play under duress. He's he's not scared uh, of of the pocket collapsing on him. He doesn't bail at the at the first sign of pressure. And, and um, so he may take some sacks, you know, maybe where, where fans are going to be yelling at the television, like, get rid of the ball. But I don't necessarily see that as a problem. I see that as something that he'll learn, have to learn to manage. Ben Roethlisberger did a whole heck of a lot early than that in his career when he would hold onto the ball too long. And sometimes the offensive line would get yelled at for sacks, but it wasn't on him. So he sounds like you're pretty pleased with the Kenny Pickett selection. That's great. Let's move on to the George Pickens pick. You already mentioned Pickens. I've, I think this guy's a character, but I want to ask you not so much about his high pointing ability, his athleticism or his recovery from the ACL. It's something I brought up on the Steelers preview this past Thursday with Brian Anthony Davis and Dave Schofield. And that is, this guy, you watch his film in Georgia, he has an edge. He plays with an edge. He's not afraid to get physical with defensive backs. He's not afraid of press coverage. And many, yourself included, you said if they can keep him focused in your film room. Do you feel that this is something that the wide receivers have lacked, though, in the last few years? The fact that there isn't someone out there that's going to be like, you know what? I'm going to hit you in the mouth just like you want to hit me in the mouth. Like When you talk about Pickens and that part of his game, what are your thoughts? Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. Dante Johnson and Chase Claypool—they they just didn't block last year. They, and and granted, I'll give them. Uh, let me walk that back a, a hair. They, sometimes the Steelers put them in positions where they were asked to do things that maybe they weren't ready to or capable of doing, like putting them into bunch sets and having them block down on an outside linebacker on sweep plays, and and they just weren't prepared to do that. But I don't think they were real willing blockers either. Uh, I don't think that there was a toughness or an edge to their game. When you think about Steeler receivers, I mean, my favorite Steeler receiver of all time is Heinz Ward. And, and you just think, well, obviously he was a great receiver, but the toughness that he represented was, was the same, the identity he wanted for the Pittsburgh offense. And Pickens absolutely has that. He is more than a willing blocker. And, and that benefits the Steelers in so many ways because they love Canada loves to bunch it up, bunch sets in which your receivers have to be able to block down against guys in the box. And then if he wants to be a jet sweep guy and he wants to get the ball in the perimeter, you're going to need receivers to block out there. So you're right. It's more than just his vertical threat that makes him attractive. So how does Pickens, in your opinion, based on his skill set? Now, we, I, you know, I wrote the article for the website about how you know, Matt Canada said that they could move him into the slot or they could use him both inside and outside. He even answered a question about that. He thought that Chase Claypool could potentially be a slot receiver. Never said that about Deontay Johnson, but he was asked specifically about Chase Claypool. And I'll, we'll throw in Calvin Austin the third. How do these two new receiving weapons fit into the Steelers wide receiver room from the fact that Deontay Johnson and Hills, his skill set, Claypool and his skill set. How do these guys fit in your opinion? So because they never, they did not go out and get a true slot receiver, it's going to have to be slot by committee. And that's going to put a lot of pressure on Frisman Jackson, the new wide receivers coach. He's, he's really going to have to do a great job preparing guys to play inside. The picture inside is way different from the picture outside. It's, it's much more complicated. Uh, it changes and shifts really fast at the snap of the football. You've got safeties dropping down into the box you got linebackers falling off the edge you got inside backers that are working to the hook curl zones it's a lot more physical there's a lot of guys getting their hands on you so so it's a big adjustment claypool for one is is interesting because he's 6'4 237 and, and you think like oh wow there's a dude who's built for the slot um 
but he he didn't didn't demonstrate that he was a great route runner last year. So he, he'll have a lot to learn. DJ is a great route runner, but is he physical enough to play on the inside? Austin played outside at Memphis more than he played inside, but he sure looks like a slot. Uh, and then Pickens played played a little bit of each, but he just seems to be such an attractive outside option that I wonder how, mu- how many reps they'll give him inside. So, yeah, you got a lot of things to think about there and, and who you want to play. I'll tell you what, I, I honestly think uh, that they'll run a decent amount of 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field and use Fryermuth in the slot as a detached tight end because he looked great there last year. When you detached him, he was beating – you couldn't put an outside line linebacker on safety uh, on him because he'd beat him he, the hands the route running and then you can move him around and do lots of other things with him so i'm i'm curious to see uh, how they use him in that regard yeah no that's it, it, that's exactly the thought that i've got as i've gathered information both from the written word and your articles and other articles and comments and quotes from the coaching staff is that they don't really know who the slot's going to be now calvin austin the third is a player from memphis that you mentioned and the fear is and i said this when he was drafted and i looked at his you know, the numbers now Jeffrey Benedict put out on Twitter and he shared this in our Slack channel that when you look at his just raw data, we're talking about the 40 yard dash length, all this stuff, the splits, he's comparable to Tyree kill. But is this guy going to be nothing but a gimmick player early in his career? Or do you think the Steelers are going to be able to find a way to utilize him and his skill set, meaning his speed to really change the way the Steelers offense attacks the defense? Yeah, that's on Canada. That's this is really where we're going to find out how well Matt Canada knows his own system and uh, you know, can he maximize the potential of Calvin Austin the third? Cause his potential is huge. And yeah, those comparisons to Tyree kill from a purely sort of analytical standpoint are right on spot on. And this kid can do a ton of different stuff on the field. We, we can, we've seen him as a, he, he really, he runs great routes as an outside receiver. He's incredibly dangerous as a slot guy, a jet sweep guy or a verse guy. Um, he's a weapon like the Steelers have not had in a long time. I mean, I know that there have been some Chris Rainey, Dree Archer comparisons. I think they're they're very inaccurate. He's a very very different player than them. He's a he's a trained wide receiver who the modern game can also accommodate as a ball carrier, which neither that was not true of either Rainey or Archer. Um, but the key will be, yeah, does Canada know where to put him, how to use him, and how to get the most out of him? Speaking of players that they're going to have to find a way to utilize their skill set. I want to ask you about the last offensive player selected that's not Chris Oladokun, but it's Connor Hayward. He is, as Mike Tomlin called him, a Swiss Army knife, and he literally has done it all in college. He's shared this in your film room. He's returned kicks. He's run the ball out of the backfield. He's been used as a fullback, H-back, tight end. What would be the best way in his rookie season? That's the key. In his rookie season, what would be the best way for the Steelers to utilize him and his skill set? I think the best way is as an H-back, who uh, does some of the things, some of the dirty work, like, uh, you know, kicking the edge, blocking down on uh, outside linebackers, uh, sneaking out into the flat when the Steelers run play action. I really expect the Steelers to greatly increase their play action frequency this year. Hayward's a great guy that you can use as the H back, which is kind of like a detached tight end. You motion him around, uh, you get him into the flat on, on, uh, play action routes you get them up the seam a little bit when the, you know on rpos when the backers are jumping up on run action and then you know I, I wouldn't even mind seeing him as a as a short yardage running back maybe maybe take a little bit of the wear and tear off of uh Najee harris he's a really tough inside runner he's got great feet it's funny i remember his father 
uh, Craig Ironhead Hayward, uh, who was a who was a big, you know, kind of Jerome Bettis before Jerome Bettis type back. But he had these really nimble feet. He made these nifty little cuts in the hole for a guy who was 260 pounds. And Connor Hayward's not that big, but he's got this. He's got similar feet. So I think, again, he's a really, really smart pick because he fits what Canada wants to do really well. Love it. Great stuff. Last question, because I have to ask every single person I have on the show. And that is, you think Kenny Pickett should start week one? No, okay. Uh, unless he unless he absolutely rips it up in camp. But I see. I liked Trubisky. I, I really believe that this will bring out the best in Mitch Trubisky, which I think is a win win for the Steelers. It would it would not bother me even a little bit if if Pickett sits this year and Trubisky's our guy, the Steelers uh, starting quarterback, because I think that that year in Buffalo really did uh, a lot of good for Trubisky to get the pressure off of him. Uh, that was in Chicago. Let him get kind of that bad taste out of his mouth. But more importantly, learn from that Brian Dable system, which is a, an excellent system. They do some similar things to what Canada likes to do. Uh, remember the article Jeffrey wrote, um, have the Bills fired Matt Canada yet, which was a great article. Um, <laughs> but it, but it, it, it was he was right. He, he, uh, he was right because the Bills uh, run a lot of things that are similar to what Canada likes to do. And I think Trubisky was well-trained. And then the Steelers go out and take Pickett. So if you're Mitch Trubisky, you know, that's that's really like, uh, OK, game on. You know, I got to bring my A game and I think we'll see some good things from him. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. It's going to be an exciting training camp. It's going to be an exciting preseason. I can't believe I just said that, but it is uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers in life without Ben Roethlisberger. Well, folks, I mean, Kevin, I thank you for your time. You can find him on the website. Uh, KT Smith, or formerly known as Cliff Harris, is still a punk. You can hear him on the Here We Go Steelers show with Brian Anthony Davis every Friday at noon. Thank you for taking the time, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. That was fun. All right. Take it easy. And a big thank you to Kevin Smith for taking the time out of his busy schedule. I'm sure he's doing some off-season conditioning with his high school football team and getting them geared up for some summer ball. But still, thank you, as always, to all my guests on the Monday Morning Conversation. I really appreciate it. That was a really great segment. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to be back on Wednesday. Mailbag time will be happening as we always do. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T, in which case I'll put that tweet out on Tuesday. I'll answer every single question that you might have on the mailbag segment, so check me out there. It's been a great show. Hope you have a great start to your week. I'll see you on Wednesday as we always finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.